Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. O nobly born, O you of glorious origins, remember your radiant true nature. Trust it. Return to it. It is home. This is the Tibetan Buddhist way of expressing the first principle of Unitarian Universalism. We covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every being. The poetry was lost in translation, but we got the meaning right. And here's Thomas Merton, a Trappist monk, Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts. The depths of their hearts were neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach. The core of their reality, the person that each one is in the eyes of the divine. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. I suppose the big problem would be that we would fall down and worship each other. Buddhist, Unitarian Universalist, Catholic, I could go on. And it occurs to me that I should go on since I confess to you that on several occasions during and after this election season, I have experienced what I would call a first principle emergency. (laughs) A failure to see the inherent worth and dignity of every being. Let alone to affirm and promote it. Even when people vote against their best interests, I really do know better than to say that they're stupid. Our intern minister, Rebecca Froome, says her boyfriend Alex's mom has a sign on her refrigerator that says, I am Quaker. In case of an emergency, be quiet. I've told you before that in the 1960s, spiritual teacher Ram Das had two photographs on his altar. One of Neem Karoli Baba, his beloved Hindu teacher, and one of Robert McNamara, Secretary of Defense and a primary architect of the Vietnam War. I regret to inform you of my spiritual shortcoming, but feel that I must. There are many many people's photographs I cannot imagine putting on my altar. Sorrowfully, I suspect that I am not alone. Zen master Shunryu Suzuki once said to a student, you are perfect just the way you are. And 
there's still room for improvement. <laughs> Perhaps together we can do better. Let's turn to Buddhist teacher and psychologist Jack Kornfield and specifically to his book, The Wise Heart, a first principle Bible. Jack Kornfield tells this story. In a large temple north of Thailand's ancient capital, now known as Bangkok, there once stood an enormous clay Buddha. Though not the most handsome or refined work of Thai Buddhist art, it had been cared for over a period of some 700 years, revered for its sheer longevity. Violent storms, changes of government, and invading armies had come and gone, but the Buddha endured. In the 1950s, however, the monks who tended the temple noticed that the statue had begun to crack. After a stretch of particularly hot, dry weather, one of the cracks became so wide that a curious monk took a flashlight and peered inside. What shone back at him was a flash of brilliant gold. Inside this plain old statue, the temple residents discovered one of the largest, most luminous gold images of the Buddha ever created in Southeast Asia. Five and a half tons of solid gold. Now uncovered, the golden Buddha draws throngs of devoted pilgrims from all over the world. Here is Jack Kornfield's commentary in much the same way. Each of us has encountered threatening situations that lead us to cover our innate goodness. Just as the golden Buddha had been forgotten, we too have forgotten our essential nature. Much of the time we operate from the protective lair. Today I invite you to join me in a consideration of looking and seeing beneath the shell, shining a light through the crack in the armor, and so expressing our inherent worth and dignity and honoring that of others. Robert Johnson, a Jungian analyst, says, it is difficult for many of us to believe in our goodness We'd sooner let our worst fears and thoughts define us. He writes, curiously, people resist the noble aspects of their shadow more strenuously than they hide the dark sides. It is more disrupting to find that you have a profound nobility of character than to find out you're a bum. We are so much more frightened, so much more than frightened and damaged. But our belief in a limited and impoverished identity is such a strong habit that without it, we're afraid we wouldn't know how to be. To express the truth of our inherent worth, to live in celebration of others' inherent dignity would change us radically and change the world. You know these prophetic words from spiritual activist Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. 
we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are we not to be? You are a child of God, she continues. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in every one of us. And as we let our own light shine, we give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence liberates others. To honor our own and others' inherent worth and dignity does not include ignoring deficits. To respond to a first principle emergency does not include making ourselves foolishly vulnerable to unstable and perhaps violent individuals. To begin, we can simply acknowledge suffering. Suffering from ignorance and fear, or as the Buddhists express it, suffering from greed, hatred, and delusion. And then some fundamental shift in perspective is in order. One way to shift perspective is to imagine a person as a small child, vulnerable and perhaps frightened. This is a practice that takes a tremendous amount of willingness and courage. When my wife, Kim, was determined to move beyond the wreckage of her father's ruined and ruinous life, she meditated with an image of him as a small boy. This was during a three-day retreat. She sat and sat through the terrible storm of feelings with the faith that the child, the innocence, the vulnerability, the gold beneath the armor is there in all people if we are willing to shine our light and see. At last, her heart opened in compassion. When she returned home, she found an astonishing message on the answering machine. Inexplicably, her father had emerged from his long estrangement and was looking for her. If it were not possible, to free the heart from entanglement in unhealthy states, said the Buddha, I would not teach you to do so. But just because it is possible to free the heart from entanglement in unhealthy states, do I offer you these teachings. In man's search for meaning, Vienna's um, psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, whose wife and parents died in the Nazi genocide, wrote, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a person but one thing the last of the human freedoms, 
to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. When we meet other human beings and honor their inherent worth and dignity, Jack Kornfield writes, we help those around us. Their hearts resonate with ours in exactly the same way the strings of an unplucked violin vibrate with the sounds of a violin played nearby. Western psychology has documented this phenomenon of mood contagion or limbic resonance. If a person filled with panic or hatred walks into a room, we feel it immediately. And that person's negativity can begin to overtake us. When a joyfully expressive person walks into a room, we can feel that state as well. When we see the goodness of those before us, their worth and dignity resonates with our own. Nelson Mandela said, it never hurts to think too highly of a person. Often, they become ennobled and act better because of it. Resonance. Jack Kornfield continues in India. When people greet each other, they put their palms together and bow, saying namaste, meaning I honor the divine within you. I see what is holy in you. I see the gold shining beneath the armor of clay. When we bring respect to those around us, we open a channel to their goodness. When we honor what is holy in another, we transform their hearts. This is how the Dalai Lama moves through the world. He invites us to do likewise. Several years ago, just before His Holiness left a hotel in San Francisco to return to India, he told the management that he'd like to thank the hotel staff in person, as many as would like to meet him. So on that last morning, a long line of housekeepers and dishwashers, cooks and maintenance workers, secretaries and managers, all gathered in the circular driveway at the hotel entrance. His motorcade waited while the Dalai Lama walked down the long line of employees, lovingly touching each hand, vibrating the strings of each heart. My spiritual companions, O oh, nobly born, O oh, you of glorious origins, Remember your radiant true nature. Trust it. Return to it. It is home. Finding a crack in the clay armor and shining a light onto a person's inherent worth and dignity is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice. When we experience a first principle emergency, let's engage that radical vision. It is not easy, but it is possible. Let us press our palms together and seek to honor the sacred in every being. And may our liberation
liberate others.